0: Welcome! You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away, and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. All right, well, as you can... um probably guess, when I told them to treat Tara well, that was out of my self-preservation and not just Tara's. Uh, (laughs) But um, I hope that that happens. I hope that that happens. Okay, so uh, the songs this morning uh, were apt, and I'll tell you why they were apt. Because Peter, as we've already learned, lays out for us very complex things. And sometimes what he does, um, unlike maybe his uh, more theological, apostolic brothers, um, he doesn't explain everything to us, clearly or fully. He puts two things up in the air, and he expects them to be in tension with one another. And he expects us to live in that tension. So... Let's keep that in mind as we move forward this morning. Um, And we've already read the passage, so let's just jump right in. Um, First of all, Peter's purpose for this letter, as we've studied all along, is that we as readers and the original readers should be growing in faith and in faithfulness all of the time, but especially when they or we are suffering growing in faith and faithfulness all the time, especially in the midst of suffering. And that big idea fits in well to where we are going today. Finally, all of you. What is Peter, who's Peter talking to here? Well, all of us, right? We know that. But who has he been talking to? He's, first of all, talked to everyone. Um, Christian and not Christian how we are to look at authority, how we are to respect authority, and what that means. Maybe it doesn't always mean absolute obedience all the time. We give our absolute obedience to God. But that was given to everyone. And then we also had Peter talking to slaves or servants, uh, people working in households. And so we know that Peter is talking to those people here now. We also know that he's talking to wives, right? We spent, Pastor Tom spent one week talking just to wives, and I spent one week talking just to husbands. Now, he says, all of you, right? Does that include everyone, those three groups? Actually, probably. Everyone was probably a husband or a wife because the family was upheld, maybe not always for the right reasons but was upheld in the Roman, the Greco-Roman society. Um, Also, most people were working in a household or for a household, something in that respect, okay? Um, So everyone would also include anyone that's left behind then too, okay? So finally... Are we at the end of an argument here? Is, is Peter closing out the letter? No, we still have a couple chapters left to go, right? We have six weeks left to go. So he's not done with the argument, but he is finishing a thought here. And we're going to see what that thought is today that he's, or at least start to see what that thought is today, what he is trying to finish up. Have unity of mind, Peter says. Um, another way that this could be translated is to be like-minded. Um, Now, uh, for everyone here that has had children, I think that includes everybody, look, you know how it is, right? Kids are in the home, things are wild, husband-wife moving back and forth all the time, and communication gets lost, And in those times, you're expecting to be of like mind, so that when decisions are made, everyone is in agreement with what those decisions are, right? And sometimes that gets messed up. And the same thing is true within the household of God. So when Peter is saying, all of you, who is he specifically talking to now? The the believers in Asia Minor. He's specifically talking to the church, okay? And he's saying, be of like mind, Uh, Now, as with all of these things that we're going to see, we're going to call these things virtues, okay? Like-mindedness, sympathy, or understanding. All of these are going to be what we call Christian virtues. Um, Literally, what that means is a kind of behavior that is based on morality. So it's not just a feeling, okay? Feelings are attached to it, but it's behavior based on morality, on the way that God is teaching us to live through his word. So being of like mind would mean this, that you would be sharing in the goals, the needs, the expectations of those around you. Peter is specifically speaking to everyone And a great number of churches mixed with Jew and Gentile and Gentiles coming out of any number of kinds of religions and worshiping different gods, everyone working different jobs or different vocations, everyone having a different family structure, and yet he's telling everyone, be of like mind. How do we do this? Mountain View Hermanus, how do we be of like mind? Well, what it takes to be of like mind, and this was specifically meant in the Roman world as well, is to have a common starting place and the same finish line, okay? That's why, so back during this time when Rome wanted to go and open up a new place that they would call their own, they would take it over, take the economy, but then almost also enrich the economy, and they would say, we will give you all the blessings that Rome has to offer if you live like we live and do as we do. And so in the Roman mind, this was a very common thing, to be of like mind. Everyone wanted to have their families structured the same way. They wanted to have their households structured the same way. They wanted to school in a similar way. They had to keep up with the status quo, okay? They had to keep up with the status quo. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. For us as Christians, uh, we're not trying to uphold a status quo. In fact, We're trying to avoid the status quo, aren't we? So we need a different starting place than the rest of the world. And that has already been established for us. And we see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 18. You don't have to turn there. Peter describes this to us in chapter 1, verse 18. He says this, um, starting verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. And remember what we talked about here. This wasn't just to the Gentiles, all those pagan worshipers that were looking back at their ancestors and they were worshiping little statues that they would place on their mantle. Peter was also talking to Jews who were placing their faith in the wall. He said, both of us need to walk away from what our forefathers have taught us. We have a new common common starting place. We have been ransomed, we have been rescued, and put on the same start line, and we know what the finish line is. So this is exactly what Peter is encouraging us to do here, to be of like mind, to have A common starting place in Christ and the finish line, which he's already told us, is an unperishing, an undefiable inheritance that has been given to us. So be of like mind, share goals, Uh, know what the needs of others are, know what the expectations of the whole group are. But for all of us that have ever been in any kind of relationship, we know what this means too. This means that if we're going to understand someone else's needs and their goals and their expectations, that we might, we just might have to lay aside some of our needs, some of our goals, and some of our expectations. And not just lay them aside, well, temporarily, and then I'm going to get back to it. We're actually going to have to start from scratch. We're going to have to start shaping things like a potter with clay from the beginning. And that is what Peter is calling us to do here when he says being of like mind. Understanding, or sorry, uh, yeah, sympathy. Another way that could be translated would be understanding. And we know what sympathy is. Now let's, let's just clear it up. Empathy, what is Empathy. It's when you've experienced the exact same thing as someone else, and because you have gone through an experience that is just like someone else's or very similar to someone else's, you know exactly what they're feeling, and you can empathize with them, right? Uh, You can have a pity party with them, okay? Sympathy can include that, but it is more specifically that you're admitting that you don't know what someone else is going through. You're coming alongside one another in an understanding way. Remember, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Husbands, do we understand our wives? Or young men in the room, do we understand women all the time? No, we don't, right? And they're patient with us, and we're working at it, okay? (laughs) But we live in and with understanding with one another. And that's exactly what Peter is calling everyone in the church to be doing as well. Right? So share the same goals, share the same uh, expectations, and live with each other in an understanding way, knowing that you're not always going to completely be able to empathize with the person sitting next to you. Um, Where all of us live, I think I could say that, where all of us live we're not always going to be able to empathize with our brothers and sisters in Swahili. We're not going to be able to. And they're not going to understand us. And yet, we work to live with each other in an understanding in a sympathetic way. Without that, there can be no unity of mind. There can be no like-mindedness. Showing brotherly love, okay? Um, Now, I have a brother. And right now in our lives, we love each other dearly, right? Um, There was a time when we didn't. We fought all the time, okay? You guys get this. And yet, what was it about my brother? Even when I was growing up and I was a little guy and he was a big guy and he was always wanting to beat up on me, right? Right. Uh, There was a connection. There was a bond there between us. This same kind of language would be something that the Roman government would use, that Roman households would use. Uh, They would describe family love or sibling love, and this is a dedicated love. It doesn't mean you like the person all the time, but it does mean that you will do any and everything that you can to help them in any given situation. That's a tall order, right? Um, now, here's the interesting thing. These are all virtues that um, your educated Roman or Greek during this time would have said, yes, this is a very good thing. Good job, Christians. Okay. Until we get to brotherly love and we suddenly realize, they would suddenly realize, wait a second. You're not talking about your blood brother. You're not talking about your blood sister or your spouse or your parents or your grandparents. You're talking about someone that isn't related to you at all. Okay, a couple things that this does. Um, This makes people equal who shouldn't be equal. It makes people equal who shouldn't be equal. Also, it starts to take what Romans believe the family is and turn it upside down. All of a sudden, you were trying to make sure that your family name was known and that it was known for good things, except for now, these Christians are saying that it's not your family name that matters, it's the name of Jesus that matters and the name of the church that matters. This would begin to upset people. So remember, this is not just an affection, right? This is not just a feeling that we have towards one another, but it's a dedication that we have towards one another that Peter is calling us to. A tender heart, that we would have a tender heart. Um, This doesn't necessarily mean that we're on the verge of tears all the time, okay? It can mean that. It can mean that. Some days I am. Um, but what this, and for those of you that are scared off by emotions, take, take heart right now, okay? Um, y- you don't have to be crying all the time, and we're not going to get all emotional here. But we will say this. Who else had compassion in Scripture? Jesus. Oh, great Sunday school answer. Beverly, I can, all, no, I'm joking. Um, Jesus did, right? He looked upon the crowds and he, he felt something for them. He had compassion for them. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, when it comes to God, and more specifically than Jesus, and emotions. When Jesus has compassion for somebody, some translations have translated it pity, uh, and I think that they would maybe define that word a little bit differently than the way we would. You know, Jesus isn't looking out over the crowd and saying, "Oh, oh shame, those stupid people," right? <laughs> that's not what he's doing, and that's not the kind of compassion that we're that we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about something that, unlike an, uh, what we think of as emotion, okay, uh, it cannot be manipulated, and it is not manipulating. Jesus isn't having compassion on people to manipulate them, and they're not giving him sad puppy dog eyes to manipulate him. That might not be connecting, and I understand, okay? But think about this for a second. Um, when, When Adam and Eve fell, right, when sin entered into the world, Sin affected everything, and Paul tells us this in Romans. So this includes everything, right? Nature starts disintegrating. The world literally is falling apart. We see this every day. It's just taking a really long time. (laughs) Um, It also means that our minds can be easily fooled by thinking something that isn't true just like Eve was tricked into thinking, right? It means that our emotions can also be deceived into feeling something that maybe we shouldn't really be feeling. And it feels right. Um, this is why, well, no, I'll leave that there for now, okay? Um, emotions can be manipulated. But when we're talking about compassion as a virtue, it includes emotions and don't get me wrong, Jesus did have affections and emotions that were directed at people. But here's the interesting thing, Jesus was holy. Jesus' compassion, his emotions, his affections were holy as well. They were pure. And that's exactly what Peter is calling us to, to have a compassion For those within the body of Christ and those outside the body of Christ that is pure. That is not solely based on emotions. Um, It's a compassion that is based on the teachings of the Bible. A morality, an ethic that is based on the teachings of Scripture. God's heart. There are no mixed motives in this kind of compassion. Just as we read about with um, on Jesus' Sermon in the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. Um, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? Right? You're expecting to receive something in return. But Peter's saying, and Jesus is saying, that with true compassion, you're not expecting anything in return. And there is no mixed motive. Okay? Do not repay evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a Blessing. Doing a little bit of work with that translation, which I like. I just want to maybe read that in a slightly different way, okay? Um, Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but to the contrary, bless, because to this you have been called, in order that you may inherit blessing. Okay? We'll stop there for now. Okay, so don't repay evil for evil. We get that. Um, we fight against this every time we jump in our cars. Maybe not all of you do. I do. Maybe you're the ones that are causing the evil. And other people. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I won't. I won't have anyone raise hands and I won't point fingers unless I have to. Um, uh, we're gonna. Sorry, we are gonna get back to humility here in just a minute. But I want to make sure that we keep moving um, because something that we need to see here in these verses. Uh, in this verse in particular, then, uh, we need to be reminded that it is not just some sort of, um, during the time that Peter was writing this letter, the kind of suffering that Christians were going through may have been physical, okay? It may have been a physical suffering, but from what we can understand, it wasn't a widespread suffering uh, that the government was putting down upon the people, What we see instead is that it more involves uh, slaves and masters, and it more involves husbands and wives. If there was physical suffering, that's the context that that kind of suffering was taking place in. Other than that, the rest of the context would have been the same way that Christians are subverting the family structure, and they're looking at this morality, and they're not basing it on Rome, but they're basing it on Christ. This is a threat to the way that Rome does things. And for that reason, um, we see that insult is something that is being thrown at Christians. Okay? Reviling. Now, who else was reviled? Beverly? Uh, Jesus! Okay, you all say that you said it. Jesus was reviled, right? And we read that back in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. But what did Jesus do when he was reviled? He did not revile in return, right? When Jesus was insulted, he did not insult in return. Now, I love what Peter's doing here, okay? And I'm, I'm looking at my time, and I realize that we're, we're actually going to not get all the way through today. We're going to save some for next week, okay? But here's, I love what Peter's doing. Um, because what Peter's saying here in these verses does sound very much like Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And Peter was there with them. So we know that Peter took some of that in. But does Peter just go back to Jesus' teaching and quote him? No. As we've seen in chapter 2, and I think what we're seeing here too, is that Peter is not just looking at Jesus' teaching, but he's looking at Jesus' life. He's looking at Jesus' life. Why would he want to be doing that? Why would Peter be encouraging us to live, life, live lives of virtue so that our lives also reflect the kind of holiness that Jesus was reflecting so that we would be reflecting Christ? Okay. Now, here's what we want to get to. For to this you were called... To what were we called? We were called to be of like mind. We were called to understand one another. We were called to show family love, brotherly love, sisterly love to one another. We were called to be compassionate. We are called to be humble. And in the Roman context, what that simply means is that you're not killing others with competitiveness. Okay? Because your family name would have You would have wanted that to be the top thing, the thing that you led with all the time. And Peter's saying, that's not the thing you lead with anymore. In fact, you should be humble. Okay, you're committing yourself to something larger than yourself. And these are the things that we have been called to. What do I mean by called? We need to talk about this. Okay, um, imagine it like this. Imagine that um, you were called to build a house. Okay, you're called to build a house. Now, let's say that in order to build the house, you decided to sit down and think about how you were going to build the house, and then you never stood up. Okay, <laughs> um, would you be fulfilling your calling? No. No. Why not? Because you haven't been called to think about how you're going to build a house, right? Okay, let's say that you've been called to take care of someone else's finances. And you're thinking about it, but you never actually do what you've been called to do. Would you be a good investment manager? No. Would you be a good house builder? Right. Okay, if you've been called to mow lawns and you sit in your truck and you watch other people mow lawns, okay, I'll step away from that one. Okay. Um, Look, I love mowing lawns, actually. Uh, (laughs) I did it for a very long time. Okay. To be called to something means that you have been given a task, a job. You've been given a vocation. Okay? Um, You've been given a vocation. So... If you have been given the job of being like-minded, of being sympathetic, of showing love to one another, being humble, being compassionate, and you instead just read the scripture, we read the scripture, and we say yes, amen, 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 have we actually done what we have been called to do? No, we haven't. With that in mind, um, next week, uh, when you come in up on the front table, or when you leave on the front table, uh, what we hope to look at in the state of the church this year, or the what are we doing here? I forget what I called it, okay? (laughs) In the state of the church this year, is to begin rolling out slowly um, our church constitution and our covenant, our church covenant that we make with one another as a church family. Um, And you can rest assured that these things that Peter is calling us to will be a part of that church covenant. So uh, I'll have a copy or at least a rough draft of that up on the table next week for you to be looking at, for you to be thinking about and praying about and give input on as well. Okay. So if we've been called to something and we're not doing it, we're clearly not fulfilling our calling, right? Okay, that seems pretty simple. Seems pretty simple. But I will s- skip on to the other verses, even though we might not have time to cover them fully today. Four. All right, so what is this four here? for? Um, what is he saying? Okay, and, and so what Peter's about to do is he's about to say, four, it says in the scriptures, okay? He's quoting Psalm 34 now, and let's see how he's quoting it and what he's doing with Psalm 34. Whoever desires to love life, which I think is interesting, right? Uh, Whoever desires to love life, um, and it's not being talked about as a bad thing. It's a good desire. Something good that has been given to us by God, life. It's an okay thing to desire it, but whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Okay? That's where we'll stay for right now. Okay. Um. Next week, we are going to go deeper into how Peter is using Psalm 34, because it's very important to the way that we're thinking about this passage here today. Um, But for now, let's just say it like this. Uh, Peter and the psalmist and Jesus are calling us to kill our enemies with kindness, right? And that's something that uh, one of Tara's previous employers always used to say, kill them with kindness, and that actually is exactly what Peter is calling people to do. He says, hey, look, there's gonna be people out in this world that don't understand why you're living the way that you're living, and they're going to hate you for it. Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Also, Jesus and Peter and the psalmists are telling us, as was told to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, you are blessed. To be a blessing. Right? You are blessed to be a blessing. So no matter what, verbal abuse, physical abuse, like Christ, our lives are proof of our faith and of the teaching that we agree with, that we confess to be true, that is from God. Um, But here's just a couple of questions I would like to ask us today, okay? A couple of questions. Uh, if we hate outwardly, okay? <laughs> if we're outwardly showing hate, and I, I say this as someone who is guilty of this all the time, especially right now driving around in holiday traffic, okay? Um, this is an issue for me. Uh, if we hate, but on the outside we're blessing people, we failed, at what Peter is calling us to here. We have failed at what Peter is calling us to. And we have failed to set our hope fully on the grace that has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. We see that in chapter 1, verse 13 of 1 Peter. If we are hating inwardly and blessing outwardly, we have failed to do what we are being commanded to do. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna, I just have to rush through it now. Two things can come of this, though, that are bad when we're thinking about this. Two forms of legalism, if you want to say it like that. And the first, uh, the first is this. Um, well, if I, if I work hard to bless instead of curse, I will have eternal life. Well, that is, that is what Peter's saying here, isn't it? It says, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but to the contrary, bless. Bless. Because to this you have been called, in order that you may inherit blessing. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Of course that's true. If I just, if I work hard at this, and inwardly and outwardly I'm just blessing people left and right, um, I'm good. I have eternal life. Okay? That's one way that we could go. I would say that's a wrong way to go. Here's another wrong way to go, okay? If... Or, if I bless, while maybe still wishing that the person that I'm blessing is dead, God will certainly bless me in the here and now, and life will be taken care of. (laughs) No, these are two forms of the way that we think about things that Scripture is not calling us to think like that, okay? Instead, um, as we have seen over and over and over again, the assurance of our salvation does not rest on us. And our blessing or our cursing. Thank God for that. It rests in Jesus. Um, when Peter says that we may inherit blessing, what is he saying? Well, we saw in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 18, right? That we have inherited something from our ancestors. And none of it's probably good. And in verse 4 of chapter 1, we see that we have inherited something from Jesus and that it is very good. What do you know about inheritance? Do you earn inheritance? You do not earn inheritance. It's freely given to you. Why is inheritance given to you? Because you were born? Because you were born. That's actually the correct answer. Okay, why have you received an eternal inheritance from Christ that can never be taken away? Because you have been given new birth by Christ. You have been given new birth by Christ. Christians, we have not done work for our new birth. Just like our first birth, I've watched the babies come out. (laughs) And they don't do a lot, okay? (laughs) Okay. If if anything, they sometimes make it more difficult. We're not laboring ourselves into the world. Right? We don't do it the first time, and we don't do it the second time. Jesus did that for us through his suffering on the cross. Okay. Three quick takeaways. I know I'm well over in time now. Responding righteously inside and outside the church is vital for your soul. Another way that could be said is responding righteously on the inside and on the outside is vital for your soul. That sounds like a very serious thing when I say vital for the soul because that is a very serious thing. We saw that with husbands as well, right? Husbands, if we don't live in an understanding way with our wives, what happens? Our relationship with God is cut off. Not in an eternal sense necessarily, but in the sense that there is a wall that we have built between us and God that is getting in the way of our relationship with him. And we know this, we say this all the time, right? Our doctrine and our devotion cannot be separated. If we have been given a job to do and we're not doing that job, We're not doing the job we've been given to do, right? We're not fulfilling our calling. We're not fulfilling our vocation. And then lastly, your calling is connected to your righteousness, but as we're going to see more next week, but your salvation is connected to Christ, okay? Your calling is connected to your righteousness, but your salvation is connected to Christ. All right. Let me pray for us real quick, okay? Lord, we love you. God, we are thankful that um, in the person of Jesus, you showed us compassion. In the person of Jesus, you loved us as brothers and sisters. Um, In fact, we have been adopted into God's family because... Uh, of that brotherly, that sisterly, that family love, we thank you for it. God, we thank you for the humility of your son Jesus. and We know that it's because of him that we're sitting here today that we have been blessed. Lord, we know that because of that we have also been called to be a blessing. Lord, we step into a new year tonight. But Lord, we also know that our troubles and our sin are following close behind us. And Lord, without your help, uh, no amount of hours, days, or years um, could give us enough space to run away from those things. God, we are asking now that you would constantly remind us to rely on and rest in Jesus. We ask that God the Holy Spirit would assist us and carry our hearts and open our eyes and ears to your word and to the grace that you have shown to us and continue to show to us every day. Lord, build in each of us a faith this year that is stronger than the last. God, you are our guide into this unknown ocean of 2018. Give joy to our spirits, teach us wisdom, lead us to consistent repentance with your commands that we see in Scripture, and comfort us with the good news, with glad tidings of great joy that we have in Jesus, God. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, amen. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of of Jesus, also that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.